I'm Ted O'Connell, one of the authors of Crush Step 1, the ultimate USMLE Step 1 review, along with my co-authors, Ryan Pedigo and Thomas Blair. I am also the chief content officer for Inside the Boards. This is a Crush Step 1 podcast based on the second edition of our best-selling book. The goal is to provide you high yield and high quality audio content of the book to help you study on the go and reclaim some of the time in your day. Chapter 15, Neurology, Manpreet Singh, Anatomy and Physiology, Neurohistology. The nervous system is composed of two general components, neurons, nerve cells, which are the functional units involved in nerve transmission, which occurs via a synapse, and glial cells, which are the supporting non-neuronal cells that serve different functions, such as modulating nerve transmissions at the synapse itself or myelinating nerves. Neurons. These are the non-dividing functional units of the nervous system, which can be classified according to function, motor, sensory, or interneurons. Each neuron is broken into a cell body, receiving dendrites, and single projecting axon. Of the three components, Clumps of rough endoplasmic reticulum, RER, and polyribosomes, referred to as missile bodies, are only found in the cell body and dendrites, not the axon. The dispersion of these missile bodies, which appear dark when using the missile stain, is a prominent feature in axonal injury and is appropriately termed chromatolysis. Glial cells. There are four central nervous system, CNS, glial cell types, astrocytes, oligodendrocytes, microglia, and ependymal cells, and one peripheral nervous system, PNS, glial cell type, Schwann cells. Astrocytes. These are the most abundant and largest of the glial subtypes. Although thought of as support, they play a far greater role. Their most notable role is the metabolism and recycling of certain neurotransmitters, glutamate, serotonin, and gamma-aminobutyric acid, GABA. They also buffer the extracellular potassium concentration, respond to injury, gliosis, and make up the blood-brain barrier. They contain glial fibrillary acidic protein, GFAT which is a marker used in brain cancers such as astrocytoma and glioblastoma. Oligodendrocytes. These cells myelinate neurons within the CNS. One cell myelinates multiple neurons and are damaged in disease processes such as multiple sclerosis, MS, and leukodystrophies. Microglia. These cells arise from monocytes hematopoietic precursor, and are thus the resident of the macrophages of the CNS. Their function is to protect the CNS. When the brain is damaged or infected, they become activated and multiply quickly to perform functions such as phagocytosis and presenting antigens. Microglia cells are implicated in neurodegenerative diseases, such as Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease, as well as infections such as human immunodeficiency virus, HIV infection, where they form multinucleated giant cells. Ependymal cells. These ciliated cells line the cavities of the CNS 
ventricular system in the choroid plexus, where they are involved in the production of cerebrospinal fluid, CSF, and are part of the blood CSF barrier. They are implicated in disease processes such as ependymomas and syringomyelia. Schwann cells. These cells are derived from neurocrest origin and are similar to oligodendrocytes, but instead myelinate neurons of the PNS. One cell myelinates one neuron. They are implicated in diseases such as Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBF, Charcot-Marie tooth disease, CMT, chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, CIDP, schwannomas, and acoustic neuromas, also known as vestibular schwannomas. Sensory receptors. Sensory neurons receive signals from external or internal stimuli via numerous sensory receptors. Each type of sensory receptor conveys a unique type of sense such as vibration, pressure, pain, or temperature. In addition to classifying receptors based on the sense they convey, we can also classify them according to location, cutaneous versus muscle, morphology, free, non-encapsulated versus encapsulated, and rate of adaptation to a stimulus, slow adapting versus fast adapting. Slow adapting receptors, e.g. muscle spindles, Merkel discs, Ruffini corpuscules, steadily detect the stimulus and steadily produce a signal over the duration of the stimulus. In contrast, fast adapting receptors, e.g. Meissner corpuscules, Pacinian corpuscules, quickly generate action potentials that diminish soon after the onset of the stimulus. This gives us a sense of the stimulus duration and intensity. This is why we stop feeling our clothes soon after we have them on. Cutaneous receptors, free nerve endings. These are non-encapsulated nerve endings located throughout the epidermis and some viscera. They convey information regarding pain and temperature. Some of these nerve endings are associated with C-fibers, which are slow, unmyelinated, convey warm temperature, and are involved in referred pain. Others are associated with A-delta fibers, which are fast, myelinated, convey cold temperature, see also Krauss end bulbs below, and are involved in localized pain. Merkel discs. These are non-encapsulated, large, slow-adapting, myelinated fibers located in hair follicles. These convey the senses of position, location, and static touch, e.g. textures. Pacinian corpuscules. These are encapsulated, large, fast-adapting, myelinated fibers found in the dermis, ligaments, and joints. They convey the senses of vibration and deep pressure. Meissner corpuscules. These are encapsulated, large, fast-adapting, myelinated fibers found in the epidermis of hairless, glabrous skin, e.g. fingertips and lips. These convey the senses of position, location, and dynamic touch, e.g. light touch. Krauss end bulbs. These are primarily for the sensation of cold. Think Krauss sounds similar to Santa Claus.
who is always cold in the North Pole. Ruffini Corpuscules These are encapsulated fibers which adapt slowly and are found in the dermis and convey the senses of pressure and skin stretch, e.g. joint change. Muscle Receptors The main sensory muscle receptors are muscle spindles, which detect change in the length of skeletal muscle fibers and Golgi tendon organs, which are placed at the junction of the tendon and muscle fibers and sense the force of contraction. Muscle spindles. The muscle spindles are present in intrafusal fibers, which run parallel to the actual contractual muscle fibers. The contractile muscle fibers are also referred to as extrafusal fibers. By running in parallel, along with the contraction of the muscles, intrafusal fibers can detect when the length of the muscle shortens or lengthens. This can be better understood with a clinical example such as the myotactic reflex, in which hitting the patellar tendon with a reflex hammer causes the knee to jerk. The tendon is stretched with the hammer, pulling on the muscle spindle. This then sends information to the spinal cord, which stimulates the knee extensor muscles to contract, causing the knee to jerk. It also inhibits the knee flexor muscles from contracting. A quick way to remember which nerve roots are tested by which reflexes is simply to count to eight. Ankle, S1 to two. Patellar, L3 to four. Bicep, C5 to six. Triceps, C7 to eight. Golgi tendon organ. Located at the junction of muscle fibers with its tendons arranged perpendicular to extrafusal muscle fibers. This receptor conveys a sense of muscle tension via afferent nerves and provides an autogenic inhibition reflex also called the inverse myotactic reflex, which causes muscle relaxation before a tendon can be torn. This is why weightlifters may drop a heavy weight before it's too late, and why sensory receptor overrules the muscle spindle. Neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters, NTs, are substances found in synaptic vesicles that are secreted into the synaptic cleft from a presynaptic neuron to a postsynaptic neuron. They are classified according to chemical composition and the action elicited, which can be excitatory or inhibitory. See Chapter 7 for details of synaptic transmission and metabolism of these many neurotransmitters. Amino acids. Glutamate. As part of the glutaminergic pathway, glutamate has an excitatory effect, specifically on N-methyl-D-aspartate. NMDA receptors, and is involved in cognition functions, learning and memory, in the hippocampus. In brain injury or disease, such as stroke or seizure, excitotoxicity from excess glutamate release can lead to neuronal damage and death from the resulting excess calcium influx into the neuron. Gamma-aminobutyric acid, GABA. This is an inhibitory neurotransmitter found in the nucleus accumbens and is involved in regulating excitability throughout the nervous system. It is decreased in anxiety and Huntington disease. Glycine. This is an inhibitory neurotransmitter used by the Renthal cells of the spinal cord. Strychnine, which can be fatal to humans, blocks its action. Acetylcholine. Found in the basal nucleus of minor 
This neurotransmitter is involved in functions such as learning, short-term memory, arousal, and reward. In Alzheimer's disease, there is a loss of neurons in the nucleus of Minert, and thus the amount of neurotransmitter released is reduced. Opioid peptides include endorphins, enkephalins, and dynorphins, involved in analgesia. Monoamines and catecholamines. Dopamine, DEA. This neurotransmitter is involved in functions such as nausea, reward, cognition, the motor system, and the endocrine system through four discrete pathways. Nigrostriatal pathway is part of the motor system. It projects from the substantia nigra in the midbrain to the striatum. Destruction of these neurons can lead to Parkinsonism and extrapyramidal symptoms, side effects of antipsychotic drugs. Mesolimbic pathway is found projecting from the ventral tegmentum in the midbrain to the nucleus accumbens. This is generally considered the reward pathway of the brain. It has also been linked to the positive symptoms of schizophrenia, hallucinations, and delusions, which is the target for many antipsychotic drugs. Tuberoinfundibular pathway is found projecting from the arcuate nucleus of the hypothalamus to the portal vessels of the infundibulum. Dopamine in this case inhibits prolactin release in the anterior pituitary. As a result, symptoms such as gynecomastia, galacteria, and menstrual dysfunction may result from dopamine-blocking agents, including antipsychotic medications. Mesocortical pathway is found projecting from the arcuate nucleus to the frontal lobes. This has been linked to negative symptoms of schizophrenia, causing the characteristic hypoactive flat affect. Norepinephrine, NE, found in the locus ceruleus, found in the pons, lateral tegmental areas, reticular formation, and solitary tracts, this neurotransmitter is involved in the arousal, reward, and maintenance of mood. In depression, norepinephrine is decreased. In states such as mania, anxiety, or stimulant drug use, amphetamines and cocaine, norepinephrine is elevated. Of note, in Alzheimer's disease, there is a substantial loss of the locus ceruleus. Serotonin, 5-HT. Found only in the raffi nucleus of the brainstem, this neurotransmitter is involved in functions such as mood, sleep, and pain. It is elevated during mania and reduced in depression, anxiety, and insomnia. Others. Adenosine. Generally acts as an inhibitory neurotransmitter. Caffeine acts as a stimulant by antagonizing adenosine receptors. Of note, adenosine is commonly used in the treatment of atrioventricular nodal reentry tachycardia, AVNRT. A specific type of supraventricular tachycardia, SVT, especially in higher doses when it comes to patients drinking caffeine. Nitric oxide, NO, formed from the conversion of arginine to citrulline. This neurotransmitter is involved in memory formation through paracrine signaling. NO has been linked to reperfusion injury when blood flow is reestablished in an ischemic region. Substance P. Excitatory neurotransmitter involved in pain transmission. Cerebral perfusion pressure. CPP. 
CPP is the tight autoregulation of the net pressure causing brain perfusion. This net pressure, typically defined as CPP, is the difference between mean arterial pressure, MAP, and intracranial pressure, ICP. That is, CPP equals MAP minus ICP. With autoregulation between MAP and ICP, CPP is maintained between 50 and 150 millimeters of mercury. However, outside the limits of autoregulation, increased ICP, e.g. intraumatic brain injury from trauma, cerebral edema from stroke, or DKA, basogenic cytotoxic edema, leads to decreased CPP, which is detrimental. To address this detriment, therapeutic hyperventilation is often used, where decreased PCO2 results in cerebral vasoconstriction and decreased cerebral blood flow. ICP can also be relieved with measures such as administration of hypertonic saline or mannitol, or by dramatic measures such as craniotomy. Anatomy. Each cerebral hemisphere is divided grossly into four lobes, frontal, parietal, occipital, and temporal. Each lobe specializes in certain functions. The frontal lobe provides crucial executive functions such as cognition, planning, decision-making, error correction, and troubleshooting. The frontal lobe houses the frontal eye fields, which are involved in voluntary eye movements. Premotor area generates execution or plan of movement, and primary motor cortex. The frontal lobe also houses Broca's area in the dominant hemisphere, usually the left hemisphere, regardless of whether or not the person is right or left-handed, to which the motor aspect of speech production is linked. The function of the parietal lobe includes integrating sensory modalities and housing the principal sensory area. The temporal lobe is involved in auditory perception. It's home to the primary auditory cortex. It also houses Wernicke's area, associative auditory cortex, in the dominant hemisphere, in which written and spoken language is understood. Broca's and Wernicke's areas are interconnected by the arcuate fasciculus, which aids in language processing. The occipital lobe is involved in the processing and integration of visual information. The cortical homunculus is a pictorial representation of the anatomic divisions of the primary motor cortex, frontal lobe, and primary somatosensory cortex, parietal lobe. It shows the portion of the human body involved in sensory and motor functions mapped onto the cerebral hemisphere. It is important to note that some regions, e.g. hands, face, lips, are disproportionately larger in comparison to the rest of the body. This is because fine motor control and skills are needed in these particular parts of the body. More neurons need to be devoted to fine motor control of the hand compared with the hip. The homunculus is important in allowing one to localize a lesion based on the specific defects noted on neurologic examination. The middle cerebral artery, MCA, provides circulation to the lateral aspects of the cerebral hemisphere, resulting in neurologic deficits in the face and upper extremities if occlusion occurs, whereas the anterior cerebral artery, ACA, provides circulation to the medial aspect of the cerebral hemisphere, 
resulting in lower extremity and trunk neurologic deficits if occlusion occurs. Basal ganglia. This subcortical structure is a group of nuclei whose main function is to modulate voluntary motor control. The basal ganglia are also involved in procedural learning, eye movement, and cognition. It consists of the following components. Striatum, which is subdivided into the caudate, deals with cognition, and pitumen, deals with motor control. Globus pallidus, which is subdivided into the externa, lateral external segment, and interna, medial internal segment, abbreviated GPE and GPI, respectively. Both segments have inhibitory GABAergic neurons that operate using a disinhibition principle. They are steadily firing at a high rate in the absence of signal, but may pause or reduce the rate in response to an inhibitory GABA signal from the striatum. As a result, there is a net reduction of this tonic inhibition on their targets. Subthalamic nucleus, which is the only portion of the pathway to produce the excitatory neurotransmitter glutamate. Substantia nigra, which is subdivided into the pars compacta, SNC, dopamine producing, and pars reticulata, SNR, which works in unison with the GPI. The basal ganglia consists of a complex circuit that ultimately aids in communication between the cortex, thalamus, and basal ganglia. The signal starts at the primary motor cortex, precentral gyrus, which projects excitatory, glutaminergic cortical neurons onto the striatum. From there, the signal can take two different directions, giving rise to two major pathways, the direct excitatory or indirect inhibitory pathways. These are involved in triggering motion. The direct pathway stimulates it, and the indirect pathway inhibits it. Direct Stimulatory Pathway Initially, the cortex stimulates the striatum. Through this pathway, the striatum inhibits the globus pallidus interna, GPI. Normally, the globus pallidus interna, GPI, tonically inhibits the thalamus. So therefore, the direct pathway inhibits the inhibition of the thalamus. Therefore, this leads to increased thalamic output to the cortex. Indirect inhibitory pathway. Remember that indirect inhibits. This pathway is more complicated. Again, the cortex stimulates the striatum to cause inhibition. However, here, the striatum inhibits the globus pallidus externa instead, GPE. The GPE normally provides inhibition to the subthalamic nucleus, STN. Therefore, this inhibition of the STN is turned off when the striatum inhibits GPE. The STN is ultimately stimulated to excite the GPI. Recall that the GPI normally inhibits the thalamus, so therefore, Increased GPI activity leads to increased thalamic inhibition. Thus, the thalamus will have less output to the cortex. In summary, whereas the direct stimulatory pathway allows for increased thalamic transmission to the cortex by inhibiting the GPI inhibition of the thalamus, the indirect inhibitory pathway leads to increased GPI inhibition of the thalamus and less thalamic transmission to the cortex. The interplay between the excitatory and inhibitory signals 
is mediated by dopamine via the substantia nigra pars compacta, SNC. The dopamine stimulates the direct excitatory pathway upon binding to D1 receptors, while those binding to D2 receptors inhibit the indirect inhibitory pathway. Pathology with the basal ganglia therefore unsurprisingly leads to movement disorders such as Wilson's disease, tardive dyskinesia, Parkinson's disease, and Huntington disease. Hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is a major subcortical structure that consists of distinct nuclei that are involved in various functions. Mnemonic. The hypothalamus makes me hungry for ham beets. H-A-M-B-E-E-T-S. H for hunger. A for autonomic nervous system. M for memory. B for behavior. E for endocrine. E for emotion. T for temperature. S for sleep-wake cycle and S for sexual urges. Instead of memorizing all the distinct nuclei and their individual functions, a better way to look at the hypothalamus is to break it into two contrasting regions, anterior and posterior, and two contrasting areas, lateral and medial, with distinct functions. Anterior deals with parasympathetics and cooling. Destruction leads to hyperthermia, e.g. hypothalamic stroke. Posterior deals with sympathetics and heating, e.g. shivering. Destruction leads to a poikilothermic, cold-blooded individual. Posterior destruction, poikilothermic. A functioning posterior hypothalamus keeps your posterior warm, like a functioning heater. Lateral deals with thirst and hunger, stimulated by ghrelin, inhibited by leptin. Mnemonic. Lateral makes you hungry for a late-night snack and makes your waist grow laterally. Destruction leads to anorexia in adults and failure to thrive FTT in infants. Medial deals with satiety, stimulated by leptin. Destruction, e.g. craniopharyngioma, leads to hyperphagia. The following are distinct nuclei of which you should be aware. Superoptic nucleus and paraventricular nucleus. See Chapter 9 for more details. These two nuclei play a significant role in the posterior pituitary's release of antidiuretic hormone, ADH, superoptic, and oxytocin, paraventricular. Arcuate nucleus. This nucleus plays a significant role in releasing hormones from the anterior pituitary. Superchiasmatic nucleus. Receives input from the retina via the optic chiasm. This plays a significant role in circadian rhythm. You need enough sleep via the suprachiasmatic nucleus to be charismatic. Thalamus. Thalamus is a subcortical structure that functions like a switchboard in relaying sensory information to the cortex. It can be divided into functional nuclei. Anterior nuclear group. Relays input from the fornix to the cingulate gyrus as part of the papez circuit. This plays a role in learning and memory. Dorsomedial nucleus. Relays input from the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system. Plays a crucial role in memory, attention, planning, organization, and abstract thinking. A lesion of this nucleus is associated with Korsakoff syndrome. See later. Ventral nuclear group. 
ventral anterior lateral nuclei relay motor input from the basal ganglia and cerebellum to the primary motor and premotor cortex and functions in coordination and planning of movement. Ventral posterior medial VPM and ventral posterior lateral VPL nuclei relay sensory input from the face VPM via the trigeminal nerve, cranial nerve 5, and from the body, VPL, via dorsal columns and spinothalamic tract. Medial geniculate nucleus, MGN, relays auditory input from the inferior colliculus to the primary auditory cortex, medial for music. Lateral geniculate nucleus, LGN, relays visual input from the retina to the optic cortex via the optic radiations, lateral for looking. Pulpinar, integration of visual, auditory, and somatosensory input. Limbic system. The limbic system, which consists of the hippocampus, amygdala, limbic cortex, fornix, and mammillary body, provides a myriad functions, such as memory, emotion, award, fear, pleasure, addiction, and olfaction. Mnemonic for limbic system functions, 5Fs, equals feeding, fleeing, fighting, feeling, and sex. Ventricular system. The ventricular system is a set of caves connected by tunnels in the brain that is continuous with the central canal of the spinal cord and the subarachnoid space. It contains CSF, which functions as a cushion in protecting the brain, providing buoyancy and suspending the brain against gravity and maintaining chemical stability. CSF starts in two lateral ventricles and moves into the third ventricle via the intraventricular foramina of Monroe, and then into the fourth ventricle via the cerebral aqueduct of Sylvius. From there, it can flow into the central canal of the spinal cord or into the cisterns of the subarachnoid space via three small foramina, the median aperture, foramen of Magdene, and the right and left lateral apertures, foramina of Lushka. Because the foramen of Magendi is the median aperture, there is only one, but there are two lateral apertures of Lushka. Once the CSF is in the subarachnoid space, it can flow down the spinal cord into the lumbar cistern at the end of the cord around the cauda equina, where lumbar punctures are performed, or flow around the superior sagittal sinus to be reabsorbed via the arachnoid villi into the venous system. The ventricular system is implicated in pathologies such as hydrocephalus, abnormal enlargement of ventricles, meningitis, ventriculitis, and subarachnoid hemorrhage, which will be discussed in more detail later. Cerebellum the cerebellum is a structure located below the cerebral cortex and behind the pons component of the brainstem, where it plays a crucial role in the coordination, accuracy, and timing of our movements. It houses four deep nuclei, which from lateral to medial are the dentate, emboliform, globose, and fastigial nuclei. Mnemonic, don't eat greasy foods, D-E-G-F. These nuclei receive inhibitory GABAergic input from the Purkinje cells and excitatory glutaminergic input from mossy and climbing fibers 
via the inferior cerebellar peduncle, ipsilateral proprioception input, and medial cerebellar peduncle, contralateral cortical input. Once input is received, modulated, output signals are projected from the dentate nuclei by Purkinje fibers via the superior cerebellar peduncle to the contralateral VA and VL nuclei of the hypothalamus. Because of these connections, it is important to note that a lesion of the cerebellum results in ataxias, in coordination, of the ipsilateral side of the body. Based on anatomy, the cerebellum can be subdivided to understand the functional denomination. 1. Lateral cerebellar hemisphere. Dentate nuclei aid in voluntary movement of the extremities as part of the cerebrocerebellar pathway. 2. Midline medial vermis. Interposed, emboliform and globose, and vestigial nuclei aid in balance and fine-tuning of body and limb movements as part of the spinocerebellum pathway. Floculonodular lobe. Vestigial nuclei aid in balance and eye movement as part of the vestibulocerebellum pathway using visual and vestibular input from the retina and semicircular canals. Blood supply. Cerebral circulation is provided by the left and right internal carotid arteries and the left and right vertebral arteries. The anterior circulation is provided by the internal carotid arteries, which branch into the anterior and middle cerebral arteries. The posterior circulation is provided by the vertebral arteries, which fuse to form the basilar artery, supplies the brainstem and cerebellum, which in turn branches into the posterior cerebral arteries. The left and right anterior cerebral arteries are connected by the anterior communicating artery. The internal carotid is interconnected with the posterior circulation via the posterior communicating arteries in the cerebral wall. Together, these connections form the circle of Willis, which allows for collateral backup circulation if one of the artery supplies becomes stenosed or occluded. The circle of Willis includes the anterior cerebral artery, anterior communicating artery, internal carotid artery, posterior cerebral artery, and posterior communicating artery. The cerebral circulation is supplied by three main arteries, the anterior, middle, and posterior cerebral arteries. Each artery supplies a distinct part of the cerebral hemisphere. The anterior cerebral artery supplies the anterior medial surfaces, which include the frontal and parietal lobes, anterior portion of the basal ganglia, and the internal capsule and medial motor homunculus. The middle cerebral artery supplies the lateral surfaces, which include the anterior and inferior temporal lobes. Insular cortices, lateral surfaces of the hemispheres, and deep branches of the basal ganglia. The posterior cerebral artery supplies the posterior and inferior surfaces, which are primarily formed by the occipital lobe. Venous drainage of the brain includes superficial, superior sagittal sinus, and deep subdivisions, inferior sagittal sinus, that connect at the confluence of the sinuses before bifurcating into two transverse sinuses. The transverse sinuses travel laterally and inferiorly in an S-shaped curve that forms the sigmoid sinuses, which go on to form the internal jugular veins. Brainstem. The brainstem, 
which consists of the medulla, pons, and midbrain, is a continuous structure adjoining the brain to the spinal cord and has a conductive and integrative function. It includes many of the motor and sensory tracts, corticospinal, spinothalamic, and posterior column from the spinal cord, as well as motor and sensory innervations from the face, BSCNs 3 through 12. Cranial nerves, table 13.1. Columns include nerve name, cranial nerve number, type, and function. Olfactory, cranial nerve 1. Sensory, transmits sense of smell directly to cortex without thalamic relay. Optic, cranial nerve 2. Sensory, transmits visual signals from retina of the eye to the brain. Oculomotor, cranial nerve 3. Motor, eye movement innervates the superior rectus, inferior rectus, medial rectus, and inferior oblique. Pupillary constriction, contains parasympathetics via sphincter pupillae, eye accommodation via ciliary muscles, eyelid opening, innervates the levator palpebrae. Trochlear, cranial nerve 4, motor. Eye movement, innervates the superior oblique. Trigeminal, cranial nerve 5, both motor and sensory. Motor, mastication, masseter temporalis, medial pterygoid muscle to close the jaw, lateral pterygoid muscle to open the jaw. Sensory, facial sensation via three divisions, ophthalmic, V1, maxillary, V2, and mandibular, V3. V1 is the afferent component of the corneal reflex. Abducens, cranial nerve 6. Motor, eye movement innervates the lateral rectus. Facial, cranial nerve 7 both motor and sensory. Motor, facial movement for expressions, lacrimation, salivation, except the parotid, eyelid closing, orbicularis oculi muscle, sound dampening, stapedius ear muscle, and efferent component of the corneal reflex. Sensory, taste, salt and sweet, from the anterior two-thirds of the tongue, corda tympani. Vestibulocochlear, cranial nerve 8. Sensory, hearing and balance, rotation and gravity. Glossopharyngeal, cranial nerve 9, both motor and sensory. Motor, elevates the pharynx and the larynx via the stylopharyngeus muscle. And salivation, parotid only. Sensory, taste from the posterior third of the tongue, sour and bitter. And monitors carotid body, sinus chemoreceptors and baroreceptors. Vagus, cranial nerve 10, both motor and sensory. Motor, laryngeal and pharyngeal muscles except the stylopharyngeus muscle. Swallowing, palate elevation, midline uvula, talking, coughing. Sensory, taste from the epiglottis, parasympathetic autonomic nervous system fibers to the thoracoabdominal viscera up to the splenic flexure, and aortic arch chemoreceptors and baroreceptors. Accessory, cranial nerve 11, motor, innervates sternocleidomastoid and trapezius muscles, head turning and shoulder shrug. Hypoglossal, cranial nerve 12, motor, innervates all tongue muscles, ends in glossus, except the palatoglossus, 
cranial nerve 10 in tongue movement, swallowing and speech articulation. Unlike spinal nerves, which emerge from the spinal cord, cranial nerves emerge directly from the brain, brainstem or cerebrum. A good way to remember where each cranial nerve emerges is the 2-2-4-4 rule, where the first two cranial nerves emerge from the brainstem, cranial nerves 1 and 2, and the next two emerge in the midbrain, cranial nerves 3 and 4, and the next four in the pons, cranial nerves 5, 6, 7, and 8, and the final four in the medulla, cranial nerves 9, 10, 11, and 12. Mnemonic for the names of each cranial nerve. On old Olympus towering top, a friendly Viking grew vines and hops. O-O-O-T-T-A-F-V-G-V-A-H. Mnemonic of whether the cranial nerve listed in orders of cranial nerves 1 through 12 carries sensory signals, motor signals, or both. Some say marry money, but my brother says big businesses make money. S for sensory, M for motor, and B for both. S, S, M, M, B, M, B, S, B, B, M, M. In addition to knowing the name and functions of each cranial nerve, it's important to know the pathway they take in the base of the skull. These pathways become important when discussing pathology. Herbiform plate. Cranial nerve 1 goes through this and can be injured or transected in a trauma, e.g. nasal fracture, which can lead to temporary or permanent anosmia. Middle cranial fossa. Optic canal. Cranial nerve 2. Ophthalmic artery and central retinal vein. Superior orbital fissure. Cranial nerve 3, 4, V1, 6, ophthalmic vein, and sympathetic fibers. Nerve blocks can be performed here for lacerations in the V1 distribution. Foramen rotundum, cranial nerve V2. Nerve blocks can be performed here for lacerations in the V2 distribution. Foramen ovale, cranial nerve V3. Nerve blocks can be done here for lacerations in the V3 distribution. The trigeminal nerve, cranial nerve 5, is packed full of so many branches of nerves that there is standing room only, SRO. V1, S, superior orbital fissure. V2, foramen R, rotundum. V3, foramen O, oval. Foramen spinosum, middle meningeal artery, a branch of the internal maxillary artery. Trauma to the head can damage this artery and cause an epidural hematoma. Posterior cranial fossa. Internal auditory meatus. Cranial nerves 7 and 8. Schwannomas growing near this cause hearing loss. Jugular foramen. Cranial nerves 9, 10, 11. Jugular vein. Lemire's syndrome. Thrombophlebitis of the internal jugular vein caused by head and neck infections. Foramen magnum, cranial nerves 11 spinal roots, brainstem, and vertebral arteries. Of note, this means that cranial nerve 11 begins outside of the skull, enters the skull through the foramen magnum, and then exits the skull again via the jugular foramen, the only cranial nerve to enter and exit the skull. Hypoglossal canal, cranial nerve 12. Cavernous sinus. A collection of veins within the skull located lateral to the pituitary gland and superior to the sphenoid sinus. It drains blood from the ophthalmic vein 
and superficial cortical veins into the internal jugular vein. It is important to know the structures running through the sinus because pathology affecting the cavernous sinus can affect the structures running through it. One mnemonic for remembering the contents is O-TOM-CAT. O, oculomotor nerve, cranial nerve 3. T, trochlear nerve, cranial nerve 4. O, ophthalmic nerve, cranial nerve V1. M, maxillary nerve, cranial nerve V2. C, carotid artery, internal. A, abducens nerve, cranial nerve 6. And T, trochlear nerve, repeat. When looking at the orientation of these structures, it is important to note that the abducens nerve and the carotid artery run through the middle of the sinus, whereas other structures run along the lateral walls. Mnemonic, CN6 sticks to the carotid. All the nerves pass through the superior orbital fissure, with the exception of cranial nerve V2. It exits via the foramen rotundum. The most commonly tested pathology of the cavernous sinus is the cavernous sinus thrombosis where a blood clot forms in the cavernous sinus, usually as the result of an infection spreading into the sinus. The classic symptoms include visual changes, exophthalmos, from an enlarged cavernous sinus pushing on the eye, headache, and cranial nerve palsies. The most commonly affected cranial nerve is the abducens nerve, cranial nerve 6. Spinal cord. The spinal cord houses the major motor and sensory tracts that interconnect the rest of the body to the brain. It consists of three major motor and sensory tracts, dorsal posterior columns, lateral corticospinal tracts, and spinothalamic tracts. Each specializes in conducting specific sensory information to the brain. The dorsal column provides ascending pressure, vibration, touch, and proprioceptive sensory information. The dorsal column is organized such that the axons responsible for touch sensation of the arms are located laterally, while those responsible for the legs are located medially. The lateral group of axons are called the fasciculus cuneatus, conveying sensory information from the upper body and upper extremities via C2 to T6, and the medial group of axons are called the fasciculus gracilis, conveying sensory information from the lower body and the lower extremities via T7 and below. Mnemonic, dancers are graceful because they know where their legs are, thanks to the fasciculus gracilis. The spinothalamic tract provides ascending pain and temperature sensory information. The axons of the spinothalamic tract first ascend, travel rostrally, for a few spinal cord segments before crossing in the spinal cord via the anterior white commissure, anterior and midline in the spinal cord. The lateral corticospinal tract provides descending voluntary motor information to the contralateral limbs. These latter two tracts are organized as if someone is diving into the spinal cord, where the hands are medial and legs are lateral. The dorsal posterior columns and lateral corticospinal tracts cross sides, decussate in the brainstem, whereas the spinothalamic tract cross in the spinal cord. This nuance is important when talking about injuries to just half of the spinal cord, Brown-Sicard syndrome, see later. Spinal nerves are a part of the PNS, where they exit the spinal cord carrying a mix of motor, sensory, and autonomic signals. There are 31 pairs of spinal nerves, which include eight cervical spinal nerve pairs, C1 to C8, 
12 thoracic pairs, 5 lumbar pairs, 5 sacral pairs, and 1 coccygeal pair. Cervical spinal nerves, C1 to 7, exit above the corresponding vertebrae, whereas the remaining spinal nerves exit below. The clinical significance of these nerves is that each spinal root supplies a specific myotome and dermatome, which can be used to localize lesions depending on the neurologic deficits seen on exam. For example, if vertebral disc herniation occurred at the nerve roots between L5 and S1, the most common site of disc herniation, this could lead to difficulty with toe walking. Important dermatomes to memorize in localizing lesions include T4, the nipple, T10, the umbilicus, L1, inguinal ligament, and the various parts of the feet. The medial foot is L4, the top of the foot is L5, and the lateral foot is S1. Auditory pathway. The ear is divided into three sections, with each playing a unique role in detecting sound. The external ear acts like a satellite dish to capture pressure waves, sound, and focus them on the eardrums. The air-filled middle ear contains three ossicles, malleus, incus, and stapes. These ossicles mechanically convert the low-pressure vibrations at the eardrum into amplified high-pressure waves to cause fluid, perilymph, movement in the inner ear via the oval window. This fluid movement stimulates hair cells in the inner ear, cochlea, which transforms this mechanical movement into electrical signals in neurons. The electrical nerve impulses are now transmitted down cochlear fibers to the brain via the vestibulocochlear nerve. Before reaching the thalamus, medial geniculate nucleus, MGN, and being relayed to the primary auditory cortex on the temporal lobe, they are processed at intermediate stations, such as the cochlear nuclei and superior olivary complex of the brainstem and inferior colliculus of the midbrain. Vestibular pathway. The vestibular system is another component of the inner ear, which is dedicated to balance. Three canals oriented perpendicular to each other provide sensory input for rotary movements. With the horizontal canal detecting horizontal head movement, e.g. spinning, and the superior and posterior canals detecting vertical head movement, e.g. nodding. Each canal opens into the utricle and has a dilated sac at one end, ampulla, which houses the crista ampullaris, hair cells and supporting cells in a gelatinous structure, cupula. Each canal is filled with endolymph, which lags behind as the head moves. This lag pushes opposite of the cupula, causing hair cells to bend and depending on the tilt of the hair cells, excitatory, depolarizing, or inhibitory neural electrical signals are generated. Visual system. The eye muscles are innervated by three cranial nerves, cranial nerves three, four, and six. A good way to memorize which muscles are innervated by which cranial nerves is to think of the fictional molecule LR6SO4R3 where the lateral rectus is innervated by cranial nerve 6, superior oblique is innervated by cranial nerve 4, and the rest innervated by cranial nerve 3. Damage to a cranial nerve leads to specific findings when looking at the eye and testing these extraocular muscles. See later, eye pathology. The eye converts light waves into electrochemical signals via the retina. Light is first refracted by the cornea goes through the pupil, opening that is controlled by the iris, 
and is further refracted by the lens, whose shape is changed by the ciliary body, to project an inverted image on the retina. The retina consists of layers that house two types of photoreceptor cells, cones found in high density in the fovea, which is the most sensitive part of the macula. These are responsible for color perception, high visual acuity, and are light adapted, and rods found in the retinal periphery responsible for monochromatic, black-white, night vision, low visual acuity. It also houses bipolar cells, which are an intermediary in transmitting signal from photoreceptors to ganglion cells. Photoreceptors contain rhodopsin, rods, or photopsin, cones, which are comprised of a large plasma membrane protein, opsin, bound to retinol, a vitamin A derivative that is very important in the visual phototransduction process, light to electrochemical signal. Retinol exists as cis-retinol, which changes configuration into trans-retinol on light exposure and leads to activation of transducin, G protein, which activates cyclic guanosine monophosphate, CGMP, phosphodiesterase. This enzyme breaks down CGMP, leading to closure of sodium channels, hyperpolarizing the cell and stopping the release of neurotransmitters. These neurotransmitters generally inhibit the bipolar cells in the dark, but in the light, they allow the bipolar cells to transmit the signals to the optic nerve. The signal is carried from the optic nerve to the optic chiasm, where nasal retinal fibers cross over. Nasal retinal fibers are those fibers on the retina closest to the nose, whereas temporal fibers are those on the lateral retina, closest to the temples. Beyond the optic chiasm, the optic nerve continues as the optic tract, which carries the crossed and uncrossed fibers to the LGN of the thalamus. From the LGN, the signal is carried to the pretectal nucleus of the midbrain, involved in the pupillary reflex, and the visual cortex, occipital lobe, by optic radiations. The optic radiations are split into two parts, Fibers from the inferior retina, Myers loop, carry information from the superior part of the visual field, passing through the temporal lobe by looping around the temporal horn of the lateral ventricle and synapsing on the occipital cortex. Fibers from the superior retina, Baum's loop, carry information from the inferior part of the visual field on a shorter pathway, less susceptible to damage, through the parietal lobe. Lesions along these pathways from the retina to the visual cortex can lead to various visual field defects. See later, eye pathology. In the pupillary light reflex, neurons from the pretectal nucleus run to the Edinger-Westphal nucleus, which receives bilateral input from the pretectal nuclei. From here, presynaptic neurons synapse at the ciliary ganglion, and postsynaptic neurons innervate the pupillary sphincter muscle, sphincter pupillae causing pupillary constriction, meiosis. Electroencephalogram, EEG. Similar to how an electrocardiogram, ECG, records the electrical activity of the heart, an EEG records the electrical activity of the brain. Clinically, neurologists can use the EEG for diagnoses of epilepsy, ictal discharges, coma, encephalopathies, triphasic waves, and brain death it is important to keep the following in mind. Awake, eyes open, beta waves, high frequency, low amplitude, eyes closed, alpha waves. Sleep, 
As discussed earlier, the circadian rhythm is oscillated by the suprachiasmatic nucleus in the hypothalamus, which is regulated by one's environment, i.e. light via photosensitive ganglion cells. The pineal gland acts as a transducer, upon which stimulation by norepinephrine release from the suprachiasmatic nucleus to release melatonin. As one goes into deeper stages of sleep, these waves slow down. Stage 1, theta waves, pre-sleep or nodding off with slow eye movement, also known as relaxed wakefulness. Stage 2, sleep spindles and K-complexes, most prominent form with no eye movement, accounts for about 50% of sleep during the night. Stage 3, delta waves, this is the stage where sleepwalking, bedwetting, parasomnias, and night terrors occur. Rapid eye movement, REM, beta waves. EEG looks as if the patient were awake, but muscles are paralyzed. REM sleep is when dreams occur. Disrupted REM sleep is thought to be the cause of sleep paralysis. Disrupted REM sleep is associated with alcohol, benzodiazepines, and barbiturate use. With that, we wrap up today's episode of the Crush Step 1 podcast. A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, the publishing company behind Crush Step 1, as well as all of my other books, for allowing us to put out this book in podcast format. Thank you for joining us, and please check out our other chapters.